else would you rather be than right here, right now? For Bills fans. Let's go, Buffalo! By Bills fans. Only Buffalo is going to win it! This is the Buffalo Bills Draft House Podcast with Brad the Bruiser Icorn and Alex Jones. This is pandemonium! Here's Brad the Bruiser Icorn. And welcome back for another edition of the Buffalo Bills Draft House Podcast. Brad the Bruiser Icorn and Alex Jones happy to be joining you fresh off the Bills 14-9 win over the Giants. I don't know. Didn't feel like a win to me. I, I walked out of Highmark Stadium, you know, Sunday night after the game, and it didn't feel like a win. I know they won. The crowd went nuts at the final incompletion, Alex, but I don't know. It was one of those icky wins, but then again, in the NFL, there are no style points. Yeah, that's the thing, Brad, is that at the end of the season, when you look at the final record, you don't see, oh, they didn't cover the spread or, oh, they didn't do this or style points, anything like that. It's just, Al Davis said it best, just win, baby, win. Yep, and that's 100%. I mean, they didn't, you know, they were on the brink of scoring when the third quarter ended, so they did go three scoreless quarters, but then, you know, scored right there after on the Devontae Hardy screen pass, nicely designed route right there. Um, and then uh, finding Morris in the touchdown there. I mean, uh, really pretty balls there from Josh. Not spectacular, eye-popping numbers. I don't think he even had 200 yards passing in this game. But, I mean, all in all, stats don't matter. Nothing matters in this game. They found a way to win. It was ugly. It wasn't pretty. But they found a way to get it done. Yeah, and I, I was honestly, Brad, that first score, I was a little disappointed. Bills had the ball at like the one yard line, second down. Um, and instead of going for what they used to go a lot for, which was the, the tush push, um, Gabe Davis behind Josh Allen, which I think probably honestly easily would have scored. Um, they instead ran the ball at the middle, got stuffed for a four yard loss. I had a, I had a bet on Josh Allen first touchdown score. Um, it was, I think it was like plus 800. Um, and it, it survived somehow until the end of the third quarter, <laughs> which which is insane to think about. Um, and unfortunately, they did not go. I, I think it probably speaks to Josh being banged up. Um, you know, he was he'd taken some injuries during that game. He was, you know, a little banged up here and there. Um, went into the blue medical tent ever so briefly. Um, and so I think it's one of those things where I was, you know, I, I, this game was so atrocious. I've only bet on the Buffalo Bills twice in my life. The first one was the Tennessee Titan game three years ago where the Bills got absolutely dog walked. It was like 49-17 by yes, the end of it. in COVID, yeah. Um, yeah. And then this one. So I think I can never bet on the Buffalo Bills again. Or at least an individual game. <laughs> Because I do have some futures for touchdowns or for Super Bowls and different things. All right. Well, I don't bet, so you can bet for both of us then. Done. <laughs> All right. So the Bills find a way. They get it done over the Giants. 14-9 uh, to nine the final score. I don't think the defense got enough credit. Say what you want about flags at the end of the game. Yeah, maybe. But you know what? They didn't allow one touchdown in this game, and that's saying something in the NFL. 
100% Brad. I mean, the defense looked like they were playing with their hair on fire. Um, specifically, um, Terrell Bernard, Dorian Williams, and Teron Johnson, who are the de facto linebacking group, looked on just looked fantastic. Dorian Williams had a few rookie mistakes, but that's what you expect. Yeah. I was talking with my brother this week, and we both said he, he looks very similar to Milano did his rookie year. Where he he fights, he's very athletic, he can fire the ball. There's just those minor mental lapses. If he can put that together, he's going to be a legit, legit prospect at linebacker for the Bills in the future. I mean, he really did jump into the lineup. I felt like a lot sooner than I think any of us were expecting. And uh, so far, I mean, you know, he was a third round pick, he wasn't a low round draft pick. Uh, but, you know, so far it seems like they're getting a good bang for their buck. A hundred percent. And, you know, with Terrell Bernard stepping up in his, his second season as a bill, um, some, you know, a lot of people last year were like, this guy's a bust. He's already a bad pick. And look at it now. You know, there was a lot of people saying that that was a bad pick by Bean um, and McDermott. And now he looks like one of the best, you know, an excellent middle linebacker who's continuing to grow. The only question right now, I think a lot of Mafia has draft-wise, I don't know if it stood out on paper or anything like that, but Kyrie Elam, um, I, you know, you got to wonder if the, this experiment is how it's going to end because it doesn't seem like it's going to end well. No, unfortunately not. Um, I mean, sometimes those guys can get it as it goes along. He just seems lost. Like, in all honesty, he just seems like he doesn't have it and unfortunately for the bills it, it, it seems like that's going to be a position of need going forward i think last week on the podcast i advocated for Sertan, Sertan and, yeah. and I, I still think that's a smart choice i think he's a guy who can immediately come in be one of the best players on the field for the team and it also you know do something that you know the bills haven't been able to do, which is allow Tredavious White some time to get healthy before he steps back on the field. And I think part of with, um, you know, picking up a guy of that magnitude, you may have to trade a bit to get him, but at least one first round, yeah, shoot, go for it. I would say it'd probably be uh, similar to the Aaron Rodgers trade, where they trade a conditional first round, you know, a first round pick this year. And then a conditional first round pick the following year, where basically it's like, hey, um, if, they if, hit we, if he if he, re, if he re-signs with the Bills, um, and we make the ch- the conference champion, or if he re-signs a multi-year contract, or the Bills make the Super Bowl, it's a first it's a first round pick. Otherwise, that. Yeah. Yep. We'll have to see. If they pull something out, Brandon Beaton, I think, has always been aggressive when it's hitting the trade market that I would expect something like this to happen. Yeah, I, I think he, he was a guy, I mean, he, his first year with the Bills, I believe he traded for Calvin Benjamin at the trade deadline. Yep. Um, Which at the so time it, actually seemed like something decent since they didn't really have anyone reputable at wide receiver that year. I'm going to be honest. I think if Calvin Benjamin had not taken that shot to the knee against the Chargers, he here's the, you know, people always joke about like, oh, he has one Popeye's biscuit away from being a tight end. 
If you listen to the people talk in facility about him, he had like 5% body fat at 235 pounds, Mm -hmm. which is insane. I think genuinely what happened was he was just an older player when he came into the league. And, you know, it basically is just one of those things that time caught up with him faster than we would have expected. And I think the that knee injury took expedited that process. Yeah. And, yeah, he went – well, that was his rookie year, right? So he hadn't even really played. Wasn't that even preseason? No, 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 no. Um, that was the Chargers-Nathan Peterman game. Oh, in that, that game. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He, had, he had started out really well, um, and then he, he went up for a ball. And maybe it was the Nathan Peterman game. I know it was the Chargers game. Essentially, he goes up to catch the ball, lands, and at the same time he lands – uh, a Chargers defender comes and hits his leg and hyperextends it. And it was like injured, and he just never after that looked the same. I think it was 2016 season. No, it had to be 2017. Uh, it was a torn meniscus. That's it. And yep. after that, he literally just never, never looked the same. You but know, I was never. I was thinking when he was a rookie and he tore his ACL. So he yes, had suffered no. some big injuries. Yeah. You never know what will pop up on the Buffalo Bills Draft House podcast talking about Kelvin Benjamin, who hasn't been a Bills since 2018. DraftHouseSports.com at DHS Buffalo, TW Callahan, DHS at Bills Bruiser, Facebook.com slash Buffalo Bills Draft House. Yeah. Uh, back to being here. I like the aggressive nature. And I mean, you know. That doesn't guarantee, but I'd say the odds are in favor that he's going to make a trade. If I was a betting man, which I'm not, I would probably put money on the fact that Bean will make a move before the deadline. Yeah, I I, I wouldn't be shocked if, if somewhere. People keep saying we need linebacker depth, but in all honesty, I think Dorian Williams is going to get more comfortable in defense. Um, and Bernard looks good so far. You have Klein and uh, Dodson waiting in the wings as backup options. They also haven't ruled Matt Milano out for the year yet, so that's something yeah. to watch going and forward. Too. Yeah, and Daquan as well. Um, and Daquan had my favorite tweet from the game, um, which was Josh has these guys back, uh, making me feel like I want to run out onto the field. <laughs> When Allen ran down and hit uh, the linebacker who took it, which, by the way, is a wild, wild thing that not a single player was kicked out of the game for that. Like, it's insane that at least Quinton Williams or, or not Quinton Williams, uh, Leonard Williams or um, Dexter Lawrence were kicked out for blindside hitting a guy in the middle of a fight. But we won't talk about that. Um, I think the defense, getting back on track a little bit, I think the defense as a whole played very well. Um, They limited Tyrod Taylor, and they did the thing Bill's defenses always do. You You can make those marginal gains until the field gets small in the red zone, and then they shut you down. And that's what they did. They shut the Giants down when it matters the most. One thing with that fight that I heard someone talk about on Monday, and I think they made a very valid point, is that once, you know, there's a flag on each team, basically, you know, it's going to be offsetting penalty. It doesn't matter if there's 10 on sportsman, 
misconduct penalties and the Giants and one on the Bills, offsetting no matter what. So you could just run around, hurt someone no matter what. You might get fined for that, but you could pretty much do whatever you want. It's all right, offsetting penalties. Yeah, that is the that is a weird thing about the rule where essentially it 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 basically turns it into like, well, once there's two, there's zero. Yeah, like, right? Like it's it's whatever you do now, you're free to do whatever you want. Yeah, do it. Go and nuts. it's just like a weird thing of like the NFL who's so very safety conscious. Also sometimes it's just like, mm, I don't know, do whatever you want. Yeah, whatever. You know, it, it is, yeah, it is just one of those crazy things where it seems like a team, like, for years, I've always thought, like, hey, this guy, like, the one that, the Tredavious White hit by Rod Gronkowski, where he literally pounded his face in the dirt, and you see this more in, like, hockey or things like or that. Or, like, he, he Russell um, moved in, I felt. Yeah. And um, one of the things that I've always thought is, like, why don't you just send out a third string safety and just go, okay, Gronk, you cheap shot at my guy. All right, here's a cheap shot back. And just take him out and play and be like, well, he for 15 yards. Now, obviously, it gets into the fraternal nature of the NFL where it's like, I don't actually want to ruin a guy's career. Right? I don't actually want to like end you know, his viability as a person. But at the same time, it's kind of like, well, they did it first, right? They were dirty first and hurt a player on purpose you know in hockey you get the enforcers like hey don't do that to my guy i'm gonna find you and do it to you football just doesn't doesn't seem to happen which has always been an interesting dichotomy between the two sports for me all right so the buffalo bills will go ahead and turn their attention quickly uh, with a 1 o'clock kickoff in Foxborough this weekend to take on the AFC East basement dweller, New England Patriots. I don't know. That feels really good to say, and it feels really good going into this game knowing that, you know, New England is just absolutely terrible right now. 1-5 in five on the season. A um, lot of injuries. I mean, nothing's gone right for New England so far. And this is, you know, I felt like it would hurt a ton if they lost the Giant game. feel like the same way. Like I said on our last episode, Alex, last week, this week, week after, must win games. Yeah, I don't disagree, Brad. I mean, I think it's one of those things where the Bills, it, this was almost like a good thing in the sense that it was a real wake-up call. It, you could see the team kind of like, Everybody, it, that might have been the worst game of the season for the Bills as a whole, outside of actually Josh. Josh looked very crisp, looked he was hitting his targets. We saw a drop from Diggs, which we never see. You never see him drop balls like that. Gabe Davis had a huge fumble and a drop. Dawson Knox with the drop on third down. That Josh Allen, did he underthrow it? Yeah, a little bit, but he also put it in a very catchable location. And I'm going to be honest, if I think if that's getting paid, I do not think he drops that ball. Yeah, he is sure hands. Uh, he's been a guy who, you know, was proven in college for it that, yeah, I, I, I think so. So we'll see if he's out there. All right, that, that's a very good point here. Let's go ahead and get into the injury report going into this week. Um, the good news is... Dalton Kincaid is not on there, so I would hope that means he's playing questionable going into this week or Greg Rousseau. Allen's questionable. 
on the injury report. I think he'll be playing this weekend, no problem. Ed, uh, Ed Oliver's questionable along with Quentin Morris and Dane Jackson. Um, on the New England side, uh, Demario Douglas is questionable. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson, questionable at running back. Juju Smith-Schuster is questionable at wideout. Jonathan Jones at corner. Uh, so, yeah, we'll have to see uh, going into this weekend what it is health-wise. But one thing I think is definitive, Josh is going to play uh, for those who had a chance to listen to or if you haven't already, check out his presser from uh, Wednesday the 18th. But I would think that, yeah, Josh is going to be playing in this one. I think a really underrated one is getting Dane Jackson back. You know, Dane yeah. looks good to start out the year. He, he He's not a guy... Similar to Benford, he's not a guy who's like, "Hey, I'm gonna set like I'm gonna set the world ablaze with my play." But he is a he is a good player who has very solid technique and does everything you want to do from a player. And so it's one of those things where it's like, you know what? Like having a steadying influence. Is he gonna beat get beat a few times? Sure, but honestly, against against talent, kind of like the Patriots level. Um, you, that's a guy you want because all of their wide receivers are essentially guys who really can't separate. Question, has Dane Jackson become the new Levi Wallace? Because we saw Levi Wallace every year. Uh, yeah, he's good. We can do better. Upgrade, blah, blah. Nothing gets done. Levi comes back. Solid guy. Nothing groundbreaking. I feel like that, you know, I'm not trying to knock on either Levi Wallace or Dane Jackson, but I feel like he's filled that narrative that he is the Buffalo Bills' new Levi Wallace. Yeah, I don't disagree in the slightest. It, it makes a lot of sense. Dane Jackson is a guy who, you know, um, really can... He stepped in when Trey got hurt and tore his ACL in 21. Yeah, and he, he's a guy who is incredibly solid, um, but... You know, he doesn't do any one thing spectacular. He just does. He's the classic McDermott pick, which is I'll take a guy who does everything right over a guy who's like, honestly, it's the difference between him and Alam. Alam was this athletic guy who had all this upside, but the question mark was his play. And that's not normally how McDermott and Bean draft, but it was sort of they boxed themselves in, tried to get the uh, Trent McDuffie deal done. And then the Chiefs basically poached their trade through some insider information. So then the Bills had to pivot off that, go with Alam. And so it's one of those things where it's like, hey, like you take a guy with traits, but in all actuality, some a lot of times those guys don't work out. You're you're gambling with that, right? You're you're taking money into casino and betting that you think this thing will happen. Rather than going with the sure pick, where you're like, ah, do I know? Do I know his limitations? Of course. However, I also do know, um, you know, he is a solid guy who can do everything I want him to do. Alex, you said something interesting there. You know, do the thing that we think will happen, and that's what I think everyone's been waiting for. With the Bills' offense, because we saw them explode weeks, you know, two, three, and four. Last two games, you know, jet-lagged in Jacksonville, and then they go three quarters without scoring uh, any points against the Giants, a game that they did win. But, you know, when are they going to do the thing we think they're going to do? When are they going to start showing that they're the offense 
uh, that we saw, you know, the first three weeks in the season. They got a test defensively. New England has a good defense, one of the better defenses in the NFL. Uh, you know, just look at the numbers comparison. Um, they're allowing slightly more passing yards per game than the Bills. Buffalo's coming in averaging 215. They're uh, just a shade above 217. But rush yards are only allowing 104. Buffalo at 133. I mean, Bill Belichick has been revered as a defensive mind. You know, he was part of the reason that the Giants won that Super Bowl and he got himself his first head coaching gig in Cleveland because the, the defensive job and the game plan they came up with against the Bills and that K-Gun in that first of four Super Bowl appearances that um, this will be a good test this week and I'd really like to see if the offense is going to come back, get their footing against a solid defense. Yeah, it, it's going to be interesting to see how they react. I mean, this defense is a down a lot of their star players. Um, Christian Gonzalez, the first round pick, Matthew Judon. Um, so a lot of the star power is gone, but it's still a formidable defense. They just got JC Jackson back. Um, so that's always fun because when Stefan Diggs plays JC Jackson, he just hits a different stride. Um, so it's going to be exciting to see kind of how, um, you know, the Bills look against an addled. Patriots defense coached by one of the great, if not the greatest coach of all time. I don't know. Do you think that statement loses its luster just the way the season's going? I mean, you know, a lot of people will go back and say, you know, Belichick hasn't been able to win it all. Uh, you know, hasn't won a playoff game without Tom Brady. Right now they're sitting at one and five. Uh, Mac Jones looked like he's actually regressing at quarterback. I mean, what do you make of Belichick at this point? I mean, I think sometimes you almost have to separate the art from the artist because every single coach has fallen off. There's never been a guy who's like, this guy was great until the day he retired. And I think, I don't think you're going to see Belichick get fired this offseason. I think that'd be a bad extreme. I also think there's like. I wouldn't be in shock if they do a parting of ways or, you know, we've mutually agreed to well, separate. So I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, I wouldn't be overly shocked because it's the NFL and Kraft doesn't. He liked Brady more than Belichick, right? That was always the narrative that Brett, is that Belichick was preparing for life after Brady and and Kraft took Brady's side rather than Belichick's side. Um, however, I, I think it, probably 20 other teams in the NFL would fire their head coach to get a shot for Bill Belichick to coach them. And then it becomes another thing, like, are they still good? Or is it that, you know, he just had the, one of the greatest collections of talent? Because he had such a good eye for spotting guys in the later rounds. That's why the Patriots were so good for so long, outside of Tom Brady, obviously. Um, but it was one of those times where, you know, they just did so well in the scouting department, getting these late-round guys, getting the J.C. Jacksons or... Um, um, oh my gosh, he played for the Titans forever. It, it's the guy who picked the ball off in the end zone against the Seahawks. Um, gonna, they just were able to... That's going to bother just me able, now. I'm sorry. Yeah, they just were able to find this talent in the mid to late rounds or in undrafted free agency. Even Tom Brady himself was a six-round pick. Um, and so they were able to search those guys out. And I think that's what led to a lot of Patriots dynasty was their ability to go in and find these rough diamonds that they were able to 
mold into something. Julian Edelman's another one. Yeah, um, right. He was undrafted, uh, if I recall. Was cut, yep, Wes Welker cut by the Chargers. And the, the uh, I forget which GM it was for the Chargers, called it the greatest mistake of his entire career. I think that was A.J. Smith. That or uh, was it uh, former Bills GM and Butler? Not sure. Could, could have been. But it, it, it's one of those things where it's like, that, that it's such a prolific um, run for so long, and it, it's going to be hard when they do part ways because the Patriots will never be the same. You know, it, they just won't. That team, that organization, everyone around it has only known one thing for almost an entire, like, some people their entire lives, they've only known one thing. Like, from the year I was born until I turned 25 years old, every single season my hockey team, the Detroit Red Wings, made the playoffs every yes. single year yep. every single i did not know a year without playoff hockey until i was 26 years old yep it, it as you, a wing fan i'll raise my hand on that too correct and so it's it's uh you know it's one of those things that teams when you have that expectation what's the next step you know what's the next step for the wings it was kind of holland basically trying to hold the band together and not committing to a full rebuild until Iserman came in and basically sold off all the assets. Um, and probably, honestly, Holland waited like three years, maybe four years longer than he should have. Um, but that's a discussion for a different podcast. Uh, Super Bowl winning interception, we can sleep at night, Malcolm Butler. Student, yep, Malcolm Butler. All right, let's get back into this. This is the Buffalo Bills Draft House podcast. I don't know. We can sit here and speculate. It's really tough to say because Ken Dorsey, I'm sure he'd love this podcast if he listened, but I doubt he's a listener. So what we say here is just pure speculation. But if you had control over the Bills offense, what would you change? What would you do differently? How would you get the offensive production back? And I think part of it is Diggs has been an integral piece. He is. There's, you know, he's targeted more than anyone, but I think spreading the rock around among, amongst the other receivers, if it can be done, that's crucial. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think, in all honesty, like people wanted to so quickly blame Dorsey for this game. Yeah, I not thought, me. I thought, I thought Dorsey thought, but all the good game. Yeah. Like, I know I'm going to get, I'm sure there'll be people who hate this, but I thought Dorsey called an incredibly good game. You know, it was a, was it a conservative game plan? Yes, but also like I, I think that game it was sort of like a, uh, a a two a Robert Frost situation where that Gabe Davis fumble the uh, game goes in two completely opposite directions. Right. If Gabe Davis if that ball goes out of bounds or he doesn't fumble, the Bills were moving the ball at will that series. They just marched it right down the field. And so I think if the Bills march the ball down the field, score, stop the Giants, and have the ball back. You, the energy of that Giants team who came in very high, came in looking, we're a real team, we're going to show you guys. You're down 7 nothing, and the Bills look automatic on offense and the, the defense looks lights out. It, it's hard. It's, it's just emotionally hard to deal with that, you know? And these guys, that's their career, that's their livelihood, so they, they're better at it than most. But it doesn't matter um, when you're down quick against an elite team you just feel the energy sucked out of you. So I think that that's the point where it changed. And basically it's just to, 
to get back to the answering the question. The Bills just need to execute. They don't need, they just need to eliminate the mental mistakes. And if they eliminate those mental mistakes, they'll be golden. Interesting. Buffalo coming into this game. I don't know if there's any added pressure to get a win, but New England winless at Gillette Stadium so far. That is crazy to think about. It, imagine saying that five, ten years ago. Ten years ago being like, <laughs> yeah, right? Patriots would open winless at Gillette Stadium. You'd be like, oh, did Belichick die? You're like, nope, he's still there. It, 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 it boggles the mind. All right, well, Bills-Patriots, uh, game will be televised on CBS. Ian Eagle on play-by-play, Charles Davis on color. Actually, one of my more favorite, I'd say, broadcast duels on CBS. Uh, I'm going to – I miss the – I think it was James Lofton-Spiroditi combination. I thought they were – personally, I think they're the best one on CBS. Really? I, I love James Lofton. He gives excellent insight into the game. He's non-partial. Like, he's impartial. Um, he is... I, I find him to be one of my favorite color commentators to listen to because he also peppers in a lot of good information. He's not... You know, sometimes it feels like the color com, the color guy has some alliances, Chris Collinsworth. Um, and so there's certain things that they lean towards or this or that. James Lofton is just like... I'm going to give you exactly what I'm seeing on the field, tell you everything I see, tell you what I heard from the coaches. And uh, Spirit Duty, is, I like him as a, as a play-by-play guy. He's very, like, he's not a guy who you're like, you know, there's not a historic call, but you don't need every call to be historic. You only need the biggest moments to be like that. Respectfully, I'm going to disagree only on Dita's. I don't know. And I, I don't think it's anything personal against him for me. What it is with me is he was with Solomon Walcott for so long. I hate Solomon Walcott. I couldn't stand listening to them. Uh, so the two of them together, maybe that bothered me. But, no, I love James Lofton. I liked when Lofton was with um, Andrew Catalan, but they've split up a lot of their crews. That it's not the same. But I, I do like – I like I am Eagle is someone who's grown on me. Uh, I listen to announce, you know, college basketball and everything on Westwood One. I think he's a solid sportscaster's son is doing a great job. He's doing Notre Dame now on NBC um, – when Collinsworth's son isn't tagging in or doing something as well, which is kind of cool to see the kids coming up like that. But I like Iona Eagle and uh, Charles Davis. I think, you know, Charles Davis is fun for anyone who plays Madden, of course. He's a color commentator on Madden. But uh, no, I, I like this broadcast crew this week. Yeah, it, it, it's a good combo. All right, so the Buffalo Bills taking on the New England Patriots coming up in just a uh, couple days here, a 1 o'clock kickoff at Gillette. Final thoughts here, Alex, keys to the game here for the Buffalo Bills. I mean, the truth of it is they just need to go out, execute, and you'll hear every coach in the world say this, they need to do their 1-11. But it is the truth for this team. This team is incredibly talented. They're one of the best teams in football, period. There's no argument that they're one of the best. They just are. And so if they go out there and execute and do their jobs, eliminate the mistakes, that is going to eliminate a lot, a lot of things. You know, that that if the Bills just go out there and execute, they should absolutely murder the Patriots. Um, and it's good seeing 
some of these guys like Rousseau, Dane Jackson, work back from injuries. No IR for Rousseau, um, which means he probably, if he's not back this week, he's back the following week against Tampa Bay, I believe. Um, and so it, 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 it's good to see them sort of chugging along. All right, well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Buffalo Bills Draft House Podcast. Find your work at drafthousesports.com at DHS Buffalo. Uh, follow Alex at TW Callahan DHS. You can follow me at Bills Bruiser. Uh, find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Buffalo Bills Draft House. That's going to do it for this edition of the podcast. For Alex Jones, I'm Brad the Bruiser Icorn. Go Bills. This has been the Buffalo Bills Draft House Podcast. Available on Spotify, Odyssey, Prime Music, Audible, or wherever you get your podcast. An R Street Media production.